Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sindalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. I usually like to open every episode with some thought-provoking intro and weave a thematic connection throughout, but at the time of this recording, I'm finding it very difficult to come up with anything insightful to say. I lost my dog Zisu a few days ago, and the loss is hitting me harder than I could have ever prepared for. Actually, when this episode goes live, it will be what would have been his 13th birthday. I know I speak about loss and grief on this show all the time and have helped many of you through yours, and yet I can't seem to take my own advice right now. I had originally planned to make a long, spooky episode for Halloween, but seeing as I'm trying to finish all my October content before I go out of town for six weeks, I've decided to simplify the episode, but it is still a really great set of stories that I have been so eager to share with you. I hope you enjoy. Chapter 1. The Nun. Submitted by Ami. I wanted to share my first of many supernatural experiences that I distinctly remember growing up. To start off, I'm from the Philippines. I was born in Quezon City, where I spent the majority of my childhood. My mother was an elementary teacher at UST Angelicum College, which is where I also studied as a result. It's a fairly old Catholic school that was founded back during the 1970s. Due to how old it was, some parts of the main buildings were worn down. This, combined with the fact that the school was literally right behind an old church, gave rise to a lot of superstitious beliefs and ghost stories. At that time, I didn't believe any of those stories, though that sentiment quickly changed. My mother would often spend long hours on the campus, attending meetings and whatnot, and my father would usually pick us up around the same time that she finished. As a result, me and my brother would often stay at the school even after closing hours. While my brother would stay in my mother's classroom, I would usually be out and about exploring the school grounds. One night, my mother was once again attending a meeting, and Papa was unusually late for our pickup time. I got bored, and I decided to walk around the outdoor basketball court near the buildings. That area is a popular hangout spot because it had a large old tree by the wall surrounding the school that gave the grounds a relaxing shade to sit under during hot days. One would think that being in such an open space during the night would make the area more intimidating for a kindergartner, 
but the school had invested in some outdoor lights some years prior, and I was a really adventurous kid back then. I absentmindedly followed the lines of the basketball court and kicked some rocks around, pretending that I was playing soccer instead. It went on like that for a few minutes, but when I was ready to head back to my mom's classroom, I noticed something peculiar. A light fog had formed around the area. I shrugged it off and thought that it was because the night was getting chillier, even though the area was fairly warm before when I got on the basketball court. I began walking back, but the fog was getting thicker the closer I got to the buildings, to the point where I could barely see where I was going. I was freezing at that point, and it also felt like the air around me was so thick that I couldn't hear anything outside my own breathing. And just when I was about to start running, I saw something in the fog. There, by the base of the old tree, was a strange, shadowy figure, almost like a woman. From what I can remember, she wore a long, dark dress, reminiscent of the nuns I often see by the church, and a veil which covered her face. She gestured to me to come closer and held both of her arms open like an invitation. Strangely enough, I wasn't afraid of her. Whether it was blind trust or something else, nothing compelled me to start running for my life when I saw her. Instead, I remembered my body moving on its own accord towards her, and I began walking closer and closer to the lady in black. I was now close enough to see her face, and I don't know if it was just a shadow, but I could have sworn that her face was just this black void. But before I could find out for sure, I heard my name being called from outside the fog. Mommy. The moment I turned to the direction of the voice, the fog dissipated before my eyes, and I saw my father in the distance, waving me over. When I looked back to where the lady was, she was gone. I never did tell my parents about it, nor did I tell them about the fact that I experienced many more supernatural phenomena as I grew up, since I didn't want to scare them. But this one always stuck out to me the most. Although I'm not exactly sure who that woman was, I remembered asking my mother years after the incident for some stories she remembered about Angelicum, and one of the stories she shared was this urban legend— she told me that some decades before the school was built and it was just the church, a nun was killed on the premises. It was speculated that she was taken advantage of by one of the priests and had gotten pregnant. In an attempt to hide his misdeeds, he suffocated her and buried her body in the plot of land where that tree was planted. However, it seems like nobody knew the name of the nun or the priest, or maybe it was hidden from the public on purpose. Who knows? Since then, there had been strange reports from the school staff members and even some students supposedly seeing the lady in black during late hours after school. And some of the younger students had even recalled events where they swore they heard their parents calling their names in the distance, only to find no one there. I think it's safe to say that this nun and the lady in black were the same person although her motives are a little vague. She didn't seem like a malevolent spirit, though. Maybe she wanted to find her unborn child. Or 
at least a substitute for them. I'll admit, I developed a fear of nuns in dark open spaces once the seriousness of that event finally dawned on me. I can't bring myself to go near churches and old buildings now, in fear that something might be waiting to lure me in and take me away for good this time. On the other hand, this also became the official start of my interest in all things supernatural, as many more events similar to this had happened to me since then. Chapter 2. The Desert Shadow Man Okay, so I'm Rhea Keller, and I'm from Redondo Beach, California. I was connected to Rhea through my cousin. And uh, in my family, we're very spiritual. We're a bunch of Italians. I don't know if there's any correlation there, but like everybody in my family is very superstitious. So I always grew up with uh, ghost stories from Nana. Um, there was, a, it was that big Northridge earthquake that we had here. My Nana was living here with her kids. And uh, I can't remember if this happened before or after the earthquake, but like I think it was after they went back to bed. She opened her eyes and you know, felt terrified after what happened, but she saw this, this figure. It was like a, she describes it as like a black cape and it like soared over the bed. And she heard the rustle of like, like wings, you know, like feathers, like, and then immediately like this calm came over her and she went back to sleep. And then like the next morning she like told my papa something weird happened. And he's like, wait, Let's write down each of our experiences and see if they're the same. And she's like, okay. And they write them down. And sure enough, they both saw this like triangular cloaked black figure soar over their bed. It was super weird. And uh, I I hear like a lot of people have stories after earthquakes, which is kind of interesting. She didn't know what it was, but it made her feel calm. And, you know, she's Catholic, so she likes to think it was an angel or something that was making her feel restful. I know that's something she always says now is like, even though it's like it was black, that doesn't mean it was bad. Like angels aren't always glowing and white. Rhea's first paranormal experience happened when she was around six years old. She and her family had just moved to a new home in Palmdale. And I love the house, you know, as big as full light. But, you know, upstairs in the bathroom, there's something about that bathroom. I thought it was just kind of weird. Couldn't put my finger on it. Every time I showered in there, I was like, there's something watching me. This ain't right. But it wasn't It wasn't like a pervy watching. It was just kind of, you know, uncomfortable. Like something wanted me out. And so my poor mom would be like, oh, my God, you didn't wash your hair. Get back in the shower and wash your hair. What are you doing? I just wanted to get out of there so fast. <laughs> like, and it was continuous. Like this feeling went on like my whole, because we lived in there my whole childhood. And as I got older, it didn't get better. You know, I didn't stop believing in the boogeyman or whatever. It just got worse. And I had this dream. And in the dream, because uh, the, the bathroom was between my room and my sister's room. We were connected. It was like Jack and Jill. And uh, I had this dream that I was standing in the, the bathroom. And there's the sinks in front of me and the mirror. And in the mirror, I could see into the bathroom, like into the where the shower was. And there was the face of a man, an old man, like glowing in the darkness. And he had this really pale white face, very wrinkly with like fluffy white hair. And he was at hip height. Like, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't tall. He was right, right by my hip. And I I looked at him and I screamed. 
And I woke up terrified. And uh, I, I don't know, it just weirded me out. And I didn't tell anyone because uh, it's just a weird dream, right? So then I go to bed some other night. This might have been years later. Like, well, thankfully that shower broke because it was always having troubles. It was always breaking. It was always leaking. And I could go shower in my parents' room, which wasn't haunted. So that was great. So I have a dream another night. So to preface this, during the day, I decided I wanted to get into knitting. I wanted to knit cat toys for my cats. <laughs> and I couldn't find my knitting needle, though. I had one, and I was missing the other. And I looked all over the house for it, and I just couldn't find it. So that night, I went to bed, and I had a dream. And I'm in the bathroom again, and the old man is there again. Again, at hip height. And he's like, the knitting needle's under your bed. So the next morning, I get up, and some point in the middle of the day, I remember this dream, and I go, oh, let's go look under the bed. And so I'm, I'm looking under there, and I pull out my music stand. And, like, I don't know if you've had a music stand, but they're usually in two pieces. You know, you got the top, and then you got the little skinny tube that the top connects into. And for some reason, I turn it over, and the knitting needle falls out of the inside of my music stand. It's like a one-inch hole, if even that. And somehow the knitting needle is perfectly inside it under the bed. It was so weird. And it was just, it was like I knew too. I just grabbed it and pulled it out. But we really, like, I didn't talk about it to my family until years later. Like, even though we were very into ghosts and stuff, I still didn't feel comfortable talking about it. Because, you know, you think ghost story, oh, I'm going to see something. And I have something I've seen that I can talk about. But, like, this kind of all happened in my head. And I didn't want anyone to think I was crazy, which is a theme in all of my ghost stories, <laughs> like not telling people. But many, many years later, after I'd moved out, we're having tea time with my mom and my sister. And I tell them, dude, the bathroom was haunted. And Tori goes, I know. That's my sister, Tori. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she was like, it was always weird. There was the spirit of an old man in there, and he was in a wheelchair. And then I realized, I'm like, that's why in my dream he was at hip level. He's in a wheelchair. It was so weird. It was the weirdest realization. And then my mom goes, all right, both of you, write down. What do you think his name is? Tori goes, Jeremy. And I, could, I wasn't sure, but I wrote down a J name, something with a J. And then Tori told me that um, this is something we kind of picked up from Nana, is to pray for spirits that are stuck. And so that's what she did. She, she prayed for him and told him to go to the light. And after that we didn't have any more problems with him. You know, we weren't scared anymore in the bathroom. And I don't know when she did that, but it made sense because at a certain point, I stopped being scared of going in there. Um, so that's the bathroom ghost. So growing up with my family, uh, believing in spirits, it was, a, it was a good thing in that it allowed me to believe in an afterlife and to be inquisitive about the reality of the world. Like, I don't accept things at face value. I'm not a, worried about, you know, fitting into the, the norms as much. But that was something I had to overcome because I quickly realized in, like, elementary school that if you tell ghost stories, people think you're crazy. So, <laughs> you know, I had to uh, reconcile the two sides of myself with, like, what do I believe in, but then what is acceptable? Rhea continued to have little unexplainable moments throughout her life, but nothing compared to what happened in 29 Palms. Which is a little desert town on the way to Joshua Tree. My boyfriend at the time had, like, his family had this little house out there. And uh, 
they'd gotten it because back a long time ago, his dad had, or his granddad or great granddad or whoever had served in the army, and they decided to give plots of federal land to people, you know, for their service. And so they got this like land in the middle of nowhere, and they're like, "We're gonna build a trailer house there, and it's gonna be our vacation home," which does not sound nice. Like, okay, trailer house in the desert, great. But it was like it was actually really nice. Like we went out there. He took me out there for the first time when we first started dating. This is like like eight years ago now, and like the place is just like it was just magical. You know, like the the, the desert's beautiful. It's just it's just big and empty and like the skies and the trailer house was super cute. Like it was a seventies time capsule. You went in there and there's like green shag carpet and this like old steel table. Someone had won on the prices, right? And like the couches were like full of cactus spines, <laughs> which made it super authentic to me, <laughs> which like, again, doesn't sound nice, but it was, it was great. I like, I love the place. We had like a lot of fun that day. Like, we went out and rode ATVs and, like, shot 22s at Coke cans and stuff, and it was super fun. And, like, I had no reason to think that anything scary was going to happen there that night. But, like, it turned out to be, like, the scariest thing had, that has ever happened to me, and, like, it's, it still affects me to this day. The story continues after the break. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that night, like, he asks me, you know, which bedroom do you want? And I'm like, I want the master bedroom, of course. So, you know, I make myself at home, change in my pajamas, make a big mess, and uh, we go to bed. And it's really dark out there in the desert at night. Like, I, I cannot describe to you enough, like, how dark it is. There's, like, no light pollution. It's pitch black. And I wake up in the middle of the night in, like, a cold sweat. Which, like, a lot of people use that phrase, like, a cold sweat. But literally, like, I was, like, I was sweating and I was shaking and I was terrified. And I had, like, no reason to be scared. 
because like I couldn't remember a dream. I was like, my body is having some kind of like response, like to something that's like an adrenaline response. And I didn't know what it was. I was so scared. And like, this is going to sound really weird to anybody who hasn't had a paranormal experience, but I could just feel a presence in the room. All of a sudden I woke up fully and I realized there's something in the room and I knew it was happening. And it sounds weird because again, it's something that's in my head. It's not really there. But like I could clearly see my mind. It was like, this is going to sound so weird. It was a shadow person. It didn't have a face, didn't have features. It was just this black, bald outline of a person. And it crawled on all fours like a lizard. I could sense it like it was like crawling around the bed. And like as soon as it knew that I knew it was there, it got excited. And I could tell it, it like it wanted to like grab me, which sounds like something a kid would come up with when they're scared of the dark, right? And that's what I told myself too. I was like, you're just being childish. It's fine. So I did what any reasonable adult would do and like turned on my side and pulled the blankets up to my chin. And the reason I was on my side is because my boyfriend was behind me. So I felt like he's protecting that side, you know? <laughs> so I'm facing the edge of the bed. And I, I told myself the same thing I'd always told myself when I was, you know, growing up and scared of the dark. I said, if you open your eyes, you're not going to see anything. And everything's going to be fine. So I opened my eyes, but I did see something. It was the outline of a person's head, and it was level with the bed. Nose up, bald outline of a head. And I told you how dark this room was. This, this thing was blacker than black. It was so dark that I could see it clearly in this pitch black room, except for the glint of an eye. And I don't know how the eye was glinting because... There's no light source, but I could see like where the eye would be. There was this little reflection, and I was like, "Oh my god!" I I have never been so terrified in my life. To open your eyes and just something to be there that shouldn't be there is something that like it affects you for the rest of your life. Reality is never the same after that. Because I knew it wasn't a real person. It was something else. I hesitate to call it a spirit because it was so not human except for its shape and so this is gonna like sound really weird and it's hard to explain why I did this but I just threw the blankets over my head and went to sleep which like you hear a lot with people these kind of stories and I always thought that's so dumb but that's what I did and I didn't want to wake up my boyfriend and tell him because we had been dating like three months and he was gonna think I was nuts and what was he gonna do you know we didn't have any sage what was he gonna do have a seance I don't know so I went back to sleep, and then the next morning, I still didn't tell him. You know, he's like, how'd you sleep? Oh, great. It's really dark here. <laughs> but I didn't tell him what happened. And thankfully, like, all day, we were out of the house doing stuff. But, like, of course, at night, we came back. And I'm like, I'm going to have to sleep in that scary bedroom again. I was just dreading it. And worst of all, he wanted to watch Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> Which, like, I hadn't seen, but I knew it was scary. So, yeah, he can see how scared I am. I'm like, let's just watch Breakfast at Tiffany's. No, no, me being scared makes him way more excited to watch the movie. And I'm like, damn it. So there's no TV in this place. You know, this place is from the 70s. So he brings out his laptop, and we have to watch the Rosemary's Baby in the scary bedroom. I'm like, no. 
So, you know, we, we start going to the bedroom. And the moment we step in there, the lights in that room all go off. It was so weird. And that's what he says. He says, that was weird. And he hands me the laptop. And he goes in. And he tries the bedroom, you know, the, the light on the stand, the bed stand. It won't turn on. Um, so then he goes out back to the, the breaker or whatever. Like, I don't know how this stuff works. To go flip the switch. And I'm standing in this scary, cold bedroom. And I'm like, oh, my God. The spirit is angry. Like, I don't know what it wants. But it doesn't want us in here, obviously. And, like, he comes back. The lights go back on. Everything's fine. And he's like, I'm going to make some popcorn. So he's making popcorn. And I'm sitting on the edge of the bed thinking, how am I going to survive this night? Like, if this thing can turn off lights in a bedroom on command, like, what else can it do? Like, what am I dealing with here? And, like, all of a sudden it hits me. It's like it was communicating to me, but not in words. It was just like I just suddenly knew what it wanted. It wanted me to pick up the clothes from the floor that I had thrown around when we got there because it was getting in the way of it crawling around. (laughs) And I thought, you're not corporeal. Why do you care? But I was like, all right, all right, I won't argue. I'll pick up the clothes. And so I picked up all the clothes and I just like felt better immediately in this room. I wasn't scared anymore. And we watched the movie scary-ass movie, really good, but I still wasn't scared going to bed. Like, I knew that it was okay now. You know, I did what the spirit wanted, and we were cool. And, you know, we went to bed, and it was fine. Nothing happened. And I felt really good about that, you know? I felt like it was a successful communication with the other side. So the next morning, my boyfriend and I were, were getting ready to go back home, and I'm in the kitchen cleaning dishes. He's in the bathroom, and he goes, Raya? And I'm like, what? And he comes out and he's got this puzzled look on his face. And he's like, have you been in the kitchen this whole time? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I just saw this like something black move past me in the mirror into the bedroom. And I was like, huh? Oh, yeah? That's really, uh, that's neat. <laughs> I, I did tell him eventually what happened. I told him when we were driving home from the place. I was like, I saw a ghost. (laughs) Like, I just couldn't keep it in. It was so crazy. And I wasn't scared anymore either, so I just spilled my guts about what happened. And, like, he was really understanding and believed me, which was such a relief. So it it, it turned out all right. I once had a friend describe a shadow person as a human-shaped hole in space itself. That's how dark these beings are. And they're reported all over the world. And because they can appear in slightly different variations and circumstances, people have very different theories as to what they actually are. Some people believe they are the projections of those who are traveling astrally. Others believe they are a manifestation of negative energy and like to feed on fear. But some say they are interdimensional beings, an entire race of shadow people that come from another realm. I asked Rhea if she had seen any more shadow people after that night. I did have this weird dream. This happened another night. We came back to the house another time later, and we weren't sleeping in the master bedroom anymore because I was scared of it. I was like, we're sleeping in the guest room from now on, and that's what we did. Um, But that night, I had this dream, and it might have just been a silly dream, but I had this dream that I went to this underworld, and the underworld was, it was like this big 
freaky metropolis full of shadow people and they were walking and there were some that flew and they were everywhere. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of funny though. Given Rhea's supernatural sensibilities, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually wasn't a dream, but she herself traveled to another dimension, the dimension where the shadow people come from. I know. I always wonder that, but then there's always like a part of me that's like, ah, it's because it was on your mind. But it, it was kind of funny, though. It was kind of like a little weird thing. It was very, it was very vivid. That's really weird. I didn't realize that people thought it was like another race or something or like a they had their realm. That that kind of like that kind of gives me chills <laughs> that other people think that, you know, based on what happened. <laughs> I always wonder what the spirit was because, uh, like I said, it, it didn't seem human. Like his grandparents, you know, they, they had their ashes scattered on the property, but I really don't think it was either of them. I told my uncle about the story because he has a lot of ghostly experiences. And his explanation was that it was like a lower level spirit. When my boyfriend saw it, it was walking. Whereas when I saw it, it was crawling. He said it was because I had, I was more connected to the spiritual side so that I had more spiritual energy and that made it have to crawl. I like that explanation because it makes me feel good about myself. I'm like, oh, I'm this powerful psychic. That's the thing about the paranormal that's super interesting is that, um, it's really hard to nail down what it is and to explain it. And there's different stories and similar stories across cultures. And I don't know, it all just makes reality more confusing. And I think there's just things that we don't understand and never will until it's our time. Yeah, I wonder all the time if I was being protected because that, that brings me back to like a, another story that um, this was like a combination story from my Nana and my mom. They were in this house that they lived in. I think in, I think it was my great nana's house in Washington, and um, they were hearing noises downstairs in the middle of the night, like a fight going on. And they went down there, and nothing was happening. And my mom said that she felt like there were spirits in that house because she had had weird experiences there, where like people were calling her name. And my uncle had gotten up in the middle of the night and turned on all the lights to protect them from the ghosts. You know, like they all had weird feelings in this house. But my mom said, you know, when we heard that fighting going downstairs, she said, she said I thought it was my great papa. You know, he was a he was a tough guy. He was in the mafia. She's like, this was his house. And I think he was protecting us and scaring them off. And after that happened, we never had any experiences there again. So I always wonder if, like, family watches over us and protects us from things that are around us sometimes. Like, maybe there's more stuff that we don't even know is there because we're being protected. If you liked Rhea's stories, I highly recommend checking out her shop, Ectogasm, where she has super cute, spooky merch with a hint of humor. My ghostly experiences have heavily influenced my artwork. I make a lot of ghost-related and, like, death-related artwork and enamel pins, patches, fanny packs, even, like, all kinds of things. My store is Ectogasm, and my website's ectogasm.net. I'd like to end this episode with a loving anecdote Rhea shared about the loss of pets. Whenever a friend of mine loses a pet, this is the story I tell them. I had a, a cat named Mo, and he's this big, fluffy, silver tabby. And he died of, I think it was kidney failure. 
And it was awful because I was in college and I couldn't be there when he passed. So that weekend, though, I came home to, like, see my parents because, you know, we loved our pets. Um, And even though, like, some people might be like, oh, it's just a cat. You know, I still came home to see them. And, like, the entire time I was home, I kept seeing him out of the corner of my eye. Like, I see a little flash of gray and I look and he wasn't there. It was, like, it was continuous. It was almost annoying. (laughs) Like, there's no cat there. (laughs) And, like, I hadn't lived at home for years. So it was just strange. And then later on, my papa says to me, I keep seeing Mo out of the corner of my eye. And I was like, cats have ghosts. I think Mo was showing up because it was like his way of saying goodbye and I'm still here. And, you know, don't worry about me. I'm all right. Zisu, one day I hope you'll let me know you're okay from the other side of the rainbow bridge. Thank you for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to see the different tiers and perks like live watch parties, early access to episodes, or private tarot readings. And don't forget to subscribe to youtube.com slash Sapphire Sindalo, where I post an animated spooky story every other week. If you'd like to submit a story, send it to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Music written by Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to Ami and Rhea. For more information on this episode and my guest, visit storieswithsapphire.com.